Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Ethan Barry and Madison Bell. Welcome to another edition of The Howler here in the West Sun Building. Ethan Barry alongside Madison Bell. Madison, how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? I'm doing well. On the phone, we have Luis Jimenez, member of the NC State hockey team. Luis, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for being with us. So, Luis, you are actually Spanish. Were you born in Spain? Uh, yeah, so I was, um, I was born in Madrid, um, and I lived there for roughly seven years before I moved to the, uh, the U.S. So you were born in Spain, which obviously is not much of a hockey country. So how did you grow up? How did you learn to play hockey in Spain, where most people are playing soccer? Uh, yeah, so um, my dad actually played professionally in Europe. He, uh, so he got me on skates really when I was like three or four years old and um, kind of had me go from there. When I was playing in Spain, I was playing roller hockey more so. And then when uh, my parents moved to the U.S., or my mom, I guess, um, she took me to an ice rink one day, and uh, I loved it. I loved it way more than uh, roller hockey, so that's when I really started playing ice hockey. So you've been playing, you said you've been playing since, well, you took a break, and then so, so you've been playing for about eight to ten years now? Um, a little bit more. It's been, well, yeah, so I played from when I was three until I was about like six or so, and then I took a few years off. Um, we moved to uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and at the time there wasn't a rink there, and so I stopped playing, and yeah, I actually started playing soccer at the time, and then built a new rink and put it in and so I went there like the first week I opened and um I was about 10 years old at the time so I picked it back up and um yeah I mean I never looked back after that I stopped playing soccer and dedicated all my time to playing hockey that's awesome so last week <coughs> excuse me last weekend you guys played in the Stephen Russell Memorial Tournament which NC State has hosted for I want to say over five years now five or ten years and um you know, as a member of NC State, which obviously has a special connection to uh, Stephen Russell, what is it like for you to play in that tournament and for your teammates, you know, to represent Stephen Russell in that tournament? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's a huge honor. Um, it's great to have his family there. They're always there to support us and help us out, encourage us in any way they possibly can. Um, they usually come in before um, – our first game and kind of give us a speech and go over like Steven Russell and everything. So a lot of the new guys learn about it and kind of, um, realize like what the tournament is dedicated towards and everything. And so, I mean, it's great. And then on top of that, having all the, uh, the teams from the ACC there, um, it's a cool atmosphere. There's a lot of different teams, a lot of competition and stuff. So it's fun to play in for sure. Speaking of games that are fun to play in, you guys are going to be back in PNC November 20th of this year. Right. And after the win against, Chapel Hill last season in PNC. Talk about the atmosphere there and how great it was to play in front of so many people for such a big rivalry game. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Um, so, I mean, we were expecting like 2,000 people at most or so for that game, especially after uh, UNC had played Duke a few months before that. And I think they had like roughly 1,500 people at their game. So we weren't expecting anything crazy. And so when we stepped on the ice for a warm-up, it was great. I mean, the band was there, and then on top of that, people just kept packing in. And I think at the end of the day, they had roughly, I mean, I've heard anywhere from like five to 6,000 people at the game. So, I mean, that was great. The atmosphere was awesome. It was about 75% of 
NC State fans, which made it that much more fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was great. I mean, just anytime we score a goal or anything, they would all go crazy. Um, it was like nothing I'd really experienced before. So, I mean, that was one of the most – that was probably my favorite moment as far as hockey goes my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, we were there covering the game, and, and we can speak to it as well. It was a majority NC State crowd, and that was probably the most fun that I've had at PNC oh, Arena. Yeah, and the, what made it even better was that it was technically a UNC home game. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, in that PNC game, your line mate, Sam Banashevitz, had scored the, I believe it was the game-tying goal and then the game-winning goal. Or did he just score one of them? Either way, he scores a lot of goals. Last year, he was named an all, a postseason All-American. What is it like playing with Sam? And for me, watching the games, the chemistry that you guys have on the ice is evident. So what can you say to that and the chemistry that you guys have on the ice and how you build it off the ice as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Sam and I, we're great friends to begin with, so that definitely helps a lot. And then um, on top of that, I mean, it's been great. Ever since our very first practice, we uh, we were on a line together. And, I mean, I remember our first game was against Wake Forest. Um, I think we each scored a goal that game in one nine. Ever since then, I mean, everything's worked out well. Um, I think we complement each other really well, too, because I'm more of a, a passer and a playmaker, and he's more of a goal scorer. So, I mean, it goes together really well. I mean, I love playing with him, and then on top of that, we hang out a lot together away from the rink and whatnot. So, I mean, overall, it's just a good relationship on and off the ice. Absolutely. And you guys have were also – y'all were in the ACCHL – postseason game right the all-star game together yeah we um yeah it was up in uh right outside of philadelphia i think it was west westchester and um yeah we went there for four days or so and i mean it was a lot of fun we um we were both there representing the acc and the nc state as well and i mean we both played well um had a lot of fun meeting the guys from all the other teams as well and it was really a, a cool experience for sure so you guys have how many new players are on the team this year? Do you know um, off the top of your head? So, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I would imagine it's like half our team. Yeah, if not maybe even a little bit more to be honest. Yeah. So with Bieberdorf still being kind of in and out with injury and things like that, not feeling well, um, you have your new line mate Todd, right? Eric yeah. Todd. So how is it working with him, like? Obviously, we alluded to you and Sam's chemistry. So, how has it been kind of getting him into the line and trying to get that chemistry up with him as well? Um, it's been good. I mean, the first game he played well, he had some opportunities that he didn't capitalize on. I know he was a little bit frustrated. But then the next game, I think he scored his first goal when we were playing against George Washington. And, um, I mean, ever since then, he's been playing well. It hasn't really been hard to kind of get him going with us. Um, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. He scored a few goals this past weekend as well. And so, I mean, overall, our lines, I mean, it's been fun. It's its not like, it, you can't really tell that we hadn't really played together before or that, like, Todd was new to the line. So the chemistry is there for sure. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, the past two years in the postseason have been heartbreaking for you guys, three years really. Um, with all the new people that are going to be rotated in on the team now, what is it going to be like for you guys heading to hopefully the postseason? Obviously, that's the goal. So what is it going to be like for you guys heading there, and how are you going to possibly approach it differently or the same? Or 
Um, I mean, we'll probably approach it just like we usually do, to be honest. We try not to get in uh, our own heads, and we do most players, I think, in general when it comes to sports. So, I mean, we're just going to go and make sure we're ready. Um, since we do have, like, half our team are new guys, um, you know, our goal really is to just progress as the season goes on and to uh, make sure that we're, like, our whole team is ready to go once that comes, especially for the seniors because, I mean, for me, for example, the last two years, yeah, we lost in the, the championship game. And, I mean, last year wasn't as close as the game, but the year before that when we lost to George Washington 8-7, to seven, um, that was kind of a heartbreaker. So, um I mean, yeah, our goal really is just to go in and, I mean, we know we have a good team this year, so I think if everything, if everyone plays the way they can um, and we progress the way we should, then I think we have a really good shot at winning. One last question for you in regards to that championship game. Do you guys talk about what's happened the last two years and use it as motivation, or do you guys just say, hey, this is a completely new team, what happened before doesn't doesn't matter? Um, kind of a little bit of both. I mean, we, we talk about it and I mean, at the beginning of the season, um, our coach usually talks to us and he kind of, he comes in and he just talks about how we lost in the championships and whatnot and how, um, I mean, we're always one of the better teams in the league for the most part, at least over the, the past few years. So, um, no, I mean, our goal is still to, to win it. And like, I mean, that's, that's the goal from the beginning of the season. And then we, we definitely talk about it, but it's not one of those things that um, is constantly brought up or anything. We just, I mean, at the, I think in the back of all our heads, we kind of, um, we know that we're capable of winning it. And so, I mean, I don't know. We're just going throughout the season, just getting ready for the tournament. And I think that if we all play the way we can, we'll, I wouldn't be surprised if we won it this season. All right, Luis, thank you for joining us. The hockey team returns to action on Friday, I believe, in Hillsborough against Duke. Saturday. Saturday. Saturday <laughs> against Duke. And uh, obviously a couple more home games before the game on November 20th at PNC Arena, which you should certainly make sure you're in attendance for that. Luis, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, perfect. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Luis Jimenez, second-leading scorer on the NC State hockey team. NC State went 2-1 and one this past weekend in the Stephen Russell Memorial Tournament. They did defeat Virginia Tech 7-1 and Navy 5-3, and they lost to Virginia 6-1 in a rematch of last year's ACCHL championship game. But let's turn our attention to football, where NC State defeated Louisville last weekend 39-25. Now, before we get into the game, the actual game itself, and our thoughts on the game. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Carter-Finley Stadium and what it was like at that game that night. Madison, what, what, how did you feel at that game? I mean, what was it like? That game was possibly one of the loudest, hypest experiences that I've ever been a part of in Carter-Finley. I've been a state fan my entire life. I've been going to football games for a really long time. And I don't think I have heard Carter Finley that loud in a I don't very, either. very long time, if not ever. Yeah, I, I don't either. The only other game, I mean, you've been a state fan for longer than I have, but the only other game I've been to that is even comparable was the game against Florida State in 2010 that I was there when Russell Wilson was here. But even that, I don't even think it was, it was the same. 2012 was pretty loud, too. Yeah, I wasn't. 16 game. That was a... That one was crazy. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to be at that game, but 
I mean, the atmosphere was loud. And if you think that the atmosphere doesn't matter. Oh, oh you're it, wrong. It matters. You're wrong. It if matters. You think it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, I mean, Carter Friendly Stadium, you know, it has its faults. It's not that big. You know, for a noon game, sometimes the crowd is pretty meh. If the team's not good, you know, you never know what you're going to get. See, I disagree. If the team, like, people still show up if the team is not. People have been showing up for Dave Doran's teams consistently, even though they could That's obviously true. be better. People State do sh- fans show up. Okay, people show Okay, you're, you're right about that. They show up. But the noise is something. There's, the atmosphere is completely different. Exactly. Especially at a night game. Yeah. And when you're ranked playing, you know, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. I mean, it was it was special. And the thing that I keep going back to is if you think that was fun, if NC State can win the next two games, the Clemson game is going to be just, it's going to be even better than that one. Which right now, for me, that's hard to even comprehend how it would be better. There's going to be another full moon. There is going to be another full moon on November 4th. There are going to be some upset people, upset fans, if that's not a night game. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Me being one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll find out the time of that game in a couple of weeks. And certainly if NC State wins the next two games and Clemson does as well, then you would expect it to be a night game at 8 o'clock, probably on ABC. Um and also has the potential to host for game day. But obviously, NC State needs to focus on Pitt this week. Yes. They had an extra couple of days. One but at bef- a time. Before we get into Pitt, let's talk about what we saw in that game. For me, NC State was the better team from start to finish in that game. Absolutely. NC State has not trailed. I did not realize this until the other day. NC State has not trailed since the Marshall game in the first half. That includes games against Florida State. Furman, obviously, but that, I mean... That's that's what you expect to do. Never trailed against Florida State. Never trailed against Syracuse. Never trailed against Louisville. I mean that that's impressive. You know, it's one thing it's to something. win. It's one thing to win. It's another thing to. I mean, NC State hasn't trailed since four weeks ago. I mean, and they came out and they dominated. For you, what was what was the key? to NC State getting off to a fast start? Was it the defense? Was it the offense? Was it the crowd? Why did NC State get off to a fast start? I think part of the fast start was the atmosphere. Because, you know, if fans feel that way, they're in the center of it all. They can hear noise from everywhere. They're automatically going to be on edge. Super hype. But I think part of it was – the sack, I think it was Bradley Chubb, yep. Lamar Jackson. It was on, like, second it, the yes, second play of the game. The second play of the game. That automatically comes out and sets the stage for momentum, for mm-hmm. a lot of things going from there. So, I definitely think the – like, I think it started with the defense. And then, yeah. the, obviously, the defense and the offense feed off of each other, and it just goes from there. One thing that I've noticed, this is kind of off topic, but I noticed last year with the basketball team, they feed off the crowd. Yes. So when the crowd is excited, the players get excited. When the crowd is not excited, the players are not excited. But regardless, the crowd was excited, and then the players came out and made plays to back up the crowd. The crowd got more excited, and it went from there. I talked about NC State getting off to a fast start. It felt like it was a fast start, but it was a 0-0 game at the end of the first quarter. Which, if you're NC State, you outplayed Louisville in the first quarter, so 0-0 game is not what you wanted. 
but you certainly didn't want to get into a a high-scoring game with Lamar Jackson because we all know what he can do. So defensively, you talk about the defense. Defensively, how was NC State throughout the whole game they kept Lamar Jackson in the pocket, forced him to become a pocket passer, and the secondary was a was able to play well. Secondary played pretty well, yeah. right? And so keeping him in the pocket, you had Chubb going after him, Roseboro, I believe Andreas Bryant had two sacks, Justin Jones, Kentavious Streets. Those guys were living in the backfield, and that really forced uh, Louisville to play behind the chains. And the one, we brought this up last week on the podcast, is the one trend for Louisville in all of their losses is sacks. Obviously, NC State has a great defensive line, and uh, they were able to do that. Offensively, NC State scored 39 points. Seven of the 39 points, seven of them came on defense, so they only scored 32. But what did you see from the offense that allowed them to be successful? One thing that really stuck out to me was that Jalen Samuels did not have a touchdown. So you think about how big Jalen Samuels is to this offense, and he really only had like one big play against Louisville, and that, to me, speaks volumes for all of our other receivers and our running back unit because they they played their hearts out and they got it done. Because if Jalen Samuels only has one big play, that says yeah. a lot about the rest of your offense, including Ryan Finley and his ability to get receivers the ball. And spread the ball out, like exactly. you're saying. Get the ball to every receiver. I want to say – well, Jay Sam had – I want to say he had about 20 touches in the Florida State game – and about the same in the South Carolina game. So it was d- definitely interesting to see them not get him the ball as much. I don't know if that was the game plan or what. And the thing I love about the fact that we have so much talent offensively, especially in our receivers, you never know where the ball is going to go. That's right. So NC State in the past has had issues where people are probably thinking, oh, Jalen Samuels is the guy. They're going to Jalen Samuels because of how talented he is. But now defenses are – are you throwing to Kelvin Harmon, Steph Lewis, Jacoby Myers? Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines, if he decides to go out. Right, and that's exactly right, and that speaks to the depth that the program has built. And all these guys are young. You look at the offense, and people are like, oh, NC State's not going to be very good next year. Well, that's not very. That's not true. Because the only seniors on the offense are Tony Adams, and uh, Jalen Samuels. Now, we don't want to start to speculate right now, halfway through the season, who's going to go pro and who's not. Because, obviously, there's certain players that are playing well enough to go pro. But if NC State can return all of these players on offense, where's I mean, the offense is going to be top five in the country, top ten. Yeah. I mean, best in the ACC, it's going to be up there. But, and then the... To go from there, actually, I wanted to bring up one other player, Naheem Hines. We both saw him in high school. Both of our schools played against Naheem Hines in high school. Naheem Hines ran all over everyone in high school. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't it was fair. I believe, I can't remember if they won the state championship while we were in high school or not. I don't think so. They got Rego- close. They won the conference. They went. But they lost. Right. Okay. So they, but they won the conference every year. Oh yes, absolutely. And nobody even came close to them. I remember he scored five touchdowns in one half against us, and then didn't play in the second half. It was like I remember one year. It was like Naheem Hines, fifty-five points. My high school, zero. It was a legit shutout. Yeah. And Naheem did it all. Yeah. It was. 
it was quite the spectacle to see him in high school. And then he comes to NC State. They move him to receiver because you had two other running backs. Uh, Johnny Frazier, Reggie Gillespie, who were the same age as him. And then you had Matt Days, obviously, who was a great running back in his own right. And then things didn't work out with Johnny Frazier. Matt Days went pro. And now you move Naheem Hines. Matt Days went pro. He ran out of eligibility. But regardless, Naheem Hines moves back to running back. A little bit of a slow start. He had a good game against South Carolina. He did. And I think part of the reason why it took him so long to get going is because he had played two years. He had learned an entirely new offense to him, basically. He didn't right. play a lot of slot when he was in high school. He was the running back at Garner. So he comes into college, has to learn an entirely new offense. Then it's then the coaches say, oh, wait, you're going back. So he has to right. switch all over again, learn everything, learn how to play at the collegiate level. We talked about him running all over people in high school. But there is a difference between high school ball and college ball. Even our conference, which was pretty decent, it wasn't great. But it was a 4A conference. We both went to pretty big high schools. So it wasn't like he was just playing against a bunch of nobodies. There's not a whole lot, bunch of college players there, but they were solid high school players. Yes. So I definitely think that that was part of the reason why he did get off to such a slow start. Yeah. But he is, he's finding it now. He's he is, and he, you can do everything with him. You can run the jet sweep. You can give it to him between the tackles. You can send him outside the tackles. You can get it to him in the passing game. We've seen them throw the ball deep to him. He's fast. He's he, he is very fast. fast. It's surprising to see him get caught from behind. Oh yes, absolutely. But I just wanted to mention Naheem Hines. I believe he's over 500 yards at the halfway point. So he is on pace. I believe it had been over 10 years since NC State had a 1000-yard rusher. Obviously we had Matt Days last year and now Naheem is on track to be the second year in a row and hopefully he's back next year. I don't think I don't think he's on the radar of pro scouts yet but um hopefully it's he's only back a matter of time. <laughs> it is only a matter of time now let's talk about where nc state goes from here this was a big win was the win over louisville a bigger win or was the win over florida state a bigger win louisville absolutely because the thing about florida state while i still think they are not an awful team don't think they're awful losing their starting quarterback was a low blow to Florida State's offense and morale. Right. Because you come into the season expecting to be fantastic just like previous years before. I'm pretty sure this is the worst season. Yeah, they're one and three. In their, like, in Jimbo Fisher's tenure. Tenure. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's... It's a morale killer. It is. And obviously when you start with Alabama, I'm not, we're not gonna get into the scheduling. Why would you start with Alabama? Why? Like, if you want to play Alabama, at least play them in week two. But regardless, it's a moot point. You think the Louisville win is a bigger win because? Yes, I think it's a bigger win because of what did happen to Florida State. The Heisman Trophy winner from 2016 comes to Carter-Finley. They're ranked. 17th. 17th. NC State's ranked for the first time in 10 years. Definitely a bigger game. We're, at that point, Florida State was considered an upset because we weren't ranked. Everybody knew this was a ranked matchup and knew what NC State was capable of at that point coming into right. the Louisville game. So I think that win was bigger because of the type of team that Louisville was when NC State went into that matchup. Right. I See, I think the Florida State game was 
Florida State win was a bigger win because you come so close so many times last year and you're unable to get it done. This Florida State team is good. Don't let their 1-3 and record deceive you or their true freshman quarterback. Who, by the way, he played really well in that game. He was not the reason they lost. We he talked did. about he this last week. He got a little week. scared of our defensive line. Which, got I a mean, little spaghetti-armed, but I completely understand. You can't blame him. See, I think, the, I think it was bigger because it was finally that one to get over the hump. Doran's been here. This is his fifth year. Finally got that big win. First big win. I thought, I thought that that's what this team needed, was a big win just to get over the hump, and then from there you build confidence. I mean, can you imagine how much confidence those guys had after the Florida State game? You don't want to get too cocky, but you need confidence. you got to have Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And um, so for me, the Louisville game was just a validation of, hey, we are good. You know, so uh, we'll see where they go from here. Obviously, Notre Dame, I can't remember what they're ranked this week. Um, I want to say they're probably around 15th. Uh, so NC State goes there in a couple of weeks. So that would be another win. But for me, NC State's better than Notre Dame. NC State's better than Louisville. So they're right now they're beating teams that are higher ranked, but they're beating teams that they should beat at the same time. So we'll see uh, if NC State can keep that going. Obviously, like we said, we don't want to look over Pitt. NC State teams have had that issue in the past. Um, we aren't on the team, though, so we can kind of do it. <laughs> But um, we'll get into the pit game in a minute. But yesterday, uh, I believe it was USA Today reported that NC State is in yes. negotiations with Dave Dorn to, ex- to for a con- for a contract extension. And basically, to paraphrase the article, it's only a matter of time. It's not like it basically sounds like it's already agreed upon. They just yeah. have to announce it. So, what do you think that? that means for the program going forward and does he deserve it let's do it like why not like clearly he's shown he's been here for how many years now this is the fifth year five yeah like state fans have a problem with getting a little antsy when coaches don't come in and automatically have a program built underneath them in two right. years that's just a common nc state fan theme but i think dave jordan has done a great job building this program obviously you can see it through the the defensive line, a ton of seniors. Our offensive line is doing fantastic. We have the younger offensive core and the receivers, and Naheem Hines is only a junior. Ryan Finley is a redshirt junior. So you have a lot of guys who are still, if they don't go pro, fingers crossed, but if they don't, you have people to build off of, and those are going to turn around and be leaders and teachers to the younger guys who are getting their reps in practice right. and are learning from the starters that we have now. And it's going to continue building on the program. So clearly Dave Doran has changed the mentality of NC State football, and I think it's a great idea to keep it. Yeah. See, for me, I think he deserves it, and here's why. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said, but I'm going to phrase it a little differently. In the last two years, NC State has played 19 football games, 13 last year and six so far this year. NC State, I believe our record, where were we, seven and six last year, so 12 and seven. How many of those seven losses did we get outplayed by the other team and we just lost? None of them. Uh, None of them. Three of them, Miami, Boston College, and ECU. Louisville. And Louisville. We failed to show up for those games. We did not show. Actually, I take the ECU game back. That one doesn't. That one doesn't. That one just. It doesn't fall into that category. Yeah. Those three games, 
that came directly after the Clemson game. Those three games, team didn't show up, right? The other two, Clemson, Florida State, and ECU, for lack of a better word, NC State choked those games away. Like, NC State had all three of those teams beaten, and they just were unable to finish it. And then this year against South Carolina, same thing, choked it away. So NC State, like, Dave Doran does not make plays on the field. He puts players in position, and they have been in position to win every single game for two years in a row. And I really think he just needed that one game to get over the hump. And he finally got it, and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, so we'll see. But you talk about the depth that you've built. And I want to bring up the class of the high school class of 2014 that he recruited. I believe that was his first full recruiting class. But that might be – NC State probably has the best recruiting class from 2014 in the entire country. It didn't I, come in that way. No, it certainly did not come in that way. When you look at every single member of the offensive line was in that class – a line that has not allowed a sack in three games, three ACC games. And I'm pretty sure has paved the way for right over 500 yards. For Naheem Hines. Yes. Yep. So the offensive line has been incredible. The defensive line has also been, I mean, pretty much as we expected. You've got Bradley Chubb, who is closer to being the number one overall pick than he is to being a second-round pick at this point. You've got your linebacker, Arius Moore, Mike Stevens, Jalen Samuels, Steph Lewis, all those guys were part of that class. That's incredible. And, I mean, I don't know what else you can want out of a class. They've probably got, I'd say there might be 10 players drafted out of that class, which is insane. And so that class pretty much just speaks to um, to uh, what Doran has done here. I think the extension is warranted if NC State... It's a risk. I mean, it really is. Either way you put it, if you don't give him an extension, you risk that he goes to a bigger job at the end of the year. Yep. Um, if NC State finishes 10-2 and two or something. And it's also a risk because what if NC State loses the next three games? So either way you slice it, it's a risk. And that's the life you live if you're NC State. You don't just get to pick any coach you want, like Alabama or Clemson or Florida State or USC or anybody like that. So I think it's warranted. I think, as you mentioned, this team's going to lose a lot of players. Some of them are seniors. Some of them will go pro. Um, so next year will be a a measuring stick, I guess, to see where the program is. But I think next year's team is going to be a good one. Um, could be a great one if Ryan Finley is back. Now, before we finish up tonight, we just want to talk about this Pitt game. You've done a little research on Pitt. What, what do we need to know about Pitt going into this game? What are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? So Pitt only has two seniors on their entire defense. So they're a little young, to say the least. Good leaders. Um, Pitt has, uh, I want to say, five interceptions on the season so far. So not too bad, having played yeah, six more games than State already. Does. Yeah, so – Definitely going to be something for Ryan Finley and his streak to watch out for in the upcoming game. Um, also have four forced fumbles. so That's pretty, nine turnovers in yeah, six games. Pretty good, pretty good defense. Um, not all those fumbles were recovered. Oh, gotcha. But they were for, They're forced. Forced, yeah. forced fumbles. Um, so definitely something to watch out for, even though they are a little bit younger. I can also tell you that Pitt – has gone through three quarterbacks. They went through three quarterbacks in this Syracuse game, including 
a burned red shirt for the final play of the game. But their head coach is saying that they're going to go back to their second string guy after their starter got injured. Um, So they burned a red shirt on the third string guy, and now they're going to go back to the second string guy. Which, if you ask me, I could rant about this for five minutes, but I'm not going to. That makes no sense. Um, Their second string guy has started in five games total, I believe. Um, Including a start against Georgia Tech. So, he has a little bit of experience. More experience than he had last year, but still got to be something to... Got to be something to look for. Yeah, I think at the uh, at the end of the day, as we've seen, NC State can play with any team in the country, and Pitt is obviously no different. I believe they're two and four. They lost to Syracuse last week. Um, uh, played Penn State and lost Oklahoma State and lost. Those were two ranked matchups. So they've played good teams. Yes, Th- they've been a little bit in a little bit over their head. But their loss. While the Syracuse game was a close game, I believe it was 27-24, lost on a field goal. Their first game of the season, they lost to Youngstown State. I thought that went to overtime. Or did they win? uh, I thought they won. No, they lost. They lost to Youngstown State. Okay. Um, Their wins were against Rice, and there was another one. I can look it up right now. Um. But the point they being, they beat Rice pretty bad. Yeah. So the point being, NC State just needs to show up, play their game. Um, Speaking back to atmosphere, though, this will be interesting to see if NC State can create their own atmosphere. They're going to be playing in an NFL stadium, pretty empty. That's a very good point. Yeah. So it'll there be might be ten thousand people. Yeah, there. it'll be interesting to see NC State create their own atmosphere. That's a very good when point. When traveling to Pitt, because. As we know, I mean, it's beating a dead horse. NC State has had issues with that before. But, obviously, NC State just needs to show up, play their game, and they'll have no issues. I actually just found uh, Pitt's schedule. They beat Youngstown State in overtime. So they've, they lost to Penn State, Oklahoma State, Georgia Tech, and Syracuse. And they beat Rice and Youngstown State. So they've seen teams better than NC State before. Oklahoma State and Penn State. So they're not going to be... Uh, overwhelmed with NC State's talent. But, like, I mean, for me, it just all NC State needs to do is show up and not not sleepwalk through this game. And you're 5-1. and one. You win this game. This puts all the marbles in the Clemson game. That will be... If NC State can manage to win this game, regardless of what happens in the Notre Dame game, the Clemson game will then likely be the ACC Atlantic Division championship game, the de facto championship game. So NC State just needs to show up, make sure they take care of business against Pitt, team they should beat. Um, I think NC State will win 41 to 20, I think. Uh, it'll be a little closer than it should in the first half, but NC State will take care of business. What do you think is going to happen? NC State's going to win by two touchdowns and a field goal. Okay, so 17-point victory. Yes, 17 points. I mean, for I me... I don't th- like doing the whole numbers thing. Okay, so. math is hard. Yeah, math is hard. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, NC State... NC State controls their own destiny, which isn't something that we can say... We've been able to say many times. Three games into the ACC season. So, uh... Bum, bum, bum. 
it'll be a big game. That's going to do it for us here, Madison, unless you have any final thoughts. All right, so we're going to uh, we'll be back here next week. NC State will have a bye week next week, I believe. So we'll discuss the pit, uh, what happened in the pit game, and we'll hopefully have another guest interview. We want to thank Luis Jimenez for joining, on, joining us on this episode of The Howler. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of PAC-TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.